Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Average Outdoorsman Experience. I'm your host, Caleb Allen. Really excited to be here with you guys. If you haven't already, go ahead, take a second, and subscribe. I'd love to see a lot more of you. Let's get started. All right, well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Super excited to have you guys back, and also my guest tonight, John Giles. Uh, he uh, He lives here in Lubbock. I've known him for quite some time. We've known each other since we were just talking 13, 10, somewhere in there. Man, yeah. I, you know, I, I moved to Big Spring when I was like 12, so it was probably 13 or 14 when we met. Okay, we were, in any case, we were super young. My yeah. earliest memory of you was we were riding in a church bus, maybe? That sounds right, yeah. Going somewhere. I don't know where we were going. <laughs> I don't know. We I hung singing. out with my church all the time. Youth yeah, man. Youth was like my, my upbringing in, in high school, <laughs> in junior high and high school. I do, man, that was my earliest, but anyway, I, I know him through my cousin and then this crazy freak, and we'll talk about it here in a minute, but I, we, we hooked up again later yeah, in life what and in the world. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty wild. Here we are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so John Giles is a huge outdoorsman. He's a fisherman. I would say that's probably your focus yeah. on the outdoors is, is fishing. And Definitely. then you also have dome docks, which is this new gig that you started new yep. gig, yep. um, which is basically a storage solution for, for ball caps. That's right. Um, anyway, yeah, it's funny. It started out as just a woodworking project and, uh, you know, just doing woodworking on the side for fun, just for me. And it's funny, all my fishing adventures, that's the reason I have so many hats. (laughs) And so I have like 30 hats. I get a new hat every time I go to a new place or something, you know? And, uh, anyway, they started to become a a nuisance. And so I, uh, I made a little hat rack in my wood shop in the backyard and then uh, somebody saw it and said, hey, you should make me one of those. And then after a while, somebody said, you should sell those. And I started selling them. And so it wasn't nonchalant quitting. Uh, I mean, you. Yeah. And I, I guess it wasn't. It did feel like. So I remember we were playing poker whenever you were like. Yeah. So I had this idea. <laughs> and yeah. several of us, I think they're agreed to like, you know, do the the buy in on the what was it called? The uh, the oh, injection mold. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway. And then like. Dude, like six months later, you're like quitting your job and, and doing this full time. And I say full time. Is it full time? It is. It is full time. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, we yeah, we spend several hours just kind of packing up boxes, making boxes, packing the ship and all that kind of stuff. Usually in the morning today, we spent a couple hours planning, planning the fourth quarter, me and my wife. And then, you know, just getting things done. Phone calls, emails. We're setting up. We're supposed to launch on Amazon in January. So uh, just kind of big, cool stuff. But yeah. That's exciting. Would you yeah. encourage people to, to start, like if, if they're interested in this product, where do they go to look at it? Like how do, how oh, do, sure. Yeah. If you want to check it out, go to our website, which is www.domedoc.com, D-O-M-E-D-O-C-K.com. Yeah, you can see it. We tried to make it as simple as, as can be. There's like one product, two colors, and uh, there's a video there to see how it works, how it mounts to the wall, all that kind of stuff. But one little two inch tall unit, nine inches wide can store 15 hats. I put mine up and I've, if you look behind you, I've got mine in my, like the hunting closet and I did them incorrectly. It turns out <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're supposed yeah. to do them like side, side by, by side, side maybe yeah, not on top. Yeah. yeah I, I put one about a foot on top of the other and I can still get quite a few hats in there though. I unlike, so I, I don't you have, run into the one above it. <laughs> yeah, bro. But I don't like, I don't have a whole lot of hats. I've got enough. So I'm as, as the older I get, I'm getting into this phase where I'm starting to try to kind of narrow down and focus and the things that I buy and what I invest my time and my sure. money in. Yeah. Um, and hats, I, of course, I wear hats all the time, but it's so easy. They're one of those things that's so easy to collect 30 or 40 of them without yep. even realizing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And every time I, I I find myself, every time I'm on a website, I always want to buy a hat, though. Like, you know, I, I'm going to buy, 
you know, decoys or something like that. And I'm like, I can just, just throw pick that up in. a hat. Yeah, like throw it in the shopping cart. Why not? I've got a few, but the, the dome dock was a brilliant idea and it started off as a woodworking project. So you did, you had no intention of. No, none at all. Did I, you think about selling them like the wood version? Well, that's what we did actually at first. And that's so um, I'll give you the, the short yeah. uh, history. How the it short, long. Yeah. yeah, whatever you want, man. So, yeah. So I started making them uh, in our shop. Uh, my wife does these little uh, weekend, what do you call them? Markets around here, around town. And she paints furniture and puts it in there. And she said, make me, make me 10 of those. And I was kind of, I didn't really honestly uh, believe in it that much to start out with. I was like, no, nobody's going to want that. She said, make me, I'm people are going to want it. So I made 10 of them and uh, she went to her market, set up her furniture and set up the dome docks and called me an hour into it and said, we're completely sold out. Get make some more of those. Out of town. I was like, no way. That's crazy. So um, next month did the same thing. Same thing happened. They sold out. I mean, just like that. It was, it blew my mind. Like the Lord is just so faithful and stuff like that. Like it, it was crazy. So anyway, we right then decided, you know what? Um, this is my own design. Let's go ahead and jump in and get a patent on this. So we started talking to a lawyer and getting a patent. And then we started, uh, an Etsy shop. And then the Etsy shop, we started selling, oh, uh, with no advertisement at all, probably, uh, 50 to a hundred a month, something like that. And so what? there's all of my weekends, all of my nights that we're like, you know, out in the woodshop making hat racks. And then, so we did that for a good solid year, which, uh, was, was really cool. Cause, and then it occurred to me, I was like, you know, I've still got 45 grand in student debt. I was like, this is our ticket. Like, let's, let's knock out the debt, you know? And so I'm still selling homes, uh, you know, full time during the day and then coming home, and going to the wood shop, staining, gluing, cutting, you know, all this. I'm sure my neighbors were just like, stop the sauce. You know, <laughs> we're going to bed. But how? Yeah. What, so. so was, and you switched to this injection mold. And I'm guessing for a couple of reasons, probably cost. And then the other one is just, I I, I can imagine how time consuming exactly. it would be to. So the, the wood version is just not sustainable well, in, in large quantities, I guess, unless you just had a huge operation. Yeah, so we, the thing is. I mean, so we can sell the manufactured product. I mean, it, for $25 a pop, that's great. You know, and the same thing, really the wood, people are willing to pay about the same for the wood one. Okay. And so it takes 20 times the effort and it costs, I mean, we get the same return on it. So it's just kind of like, eh. Does it make any sense? Yeah. And so we honestly, we still make them just to kind of, because uh, people are still asking for them. Yeah. Um, but it's whenever all my other work is done, then I, then I can head out to the wood shop. But um, like I said, it's full time, but. The, the, the plastic product, which is manufactured in Michigan, uh, is then shipped to us and we stamp logos on it, pack it in our front room and ship it off to people every day. Made in America. So made in America. It's awesome. That's right. By American. Mm -hmm. Very cool, man. And so the, the, the business has taken off on you. Dude, it's, it's been really crazy, like totally unexpected. Like, so for instance, what was our sign that it was time to stop selling homes and move full time into selling hat racks? was that uh, whenever the COVID-19 mess hit, probably it was in uh, March, um, we were supposed to have a big shipment come from Michigan. And uh, they called us and said, hey, we just got shut down. We're not going to be able to ship anything. And so, man, our, our hearts just sunk. You're like, oh, man. But, you know, no big deal because I'm still selling homes. Right. But during there was it was three months before they were able to actually get us product. Um, but in those three months, I actually made more on pre-selling dome docks than I did selling homes for a, an amazing uh, home 
own building company. So. Have you have you already delivered all those that you had like pre-sold? Are they they're all long oh, gone? Oh yeah, yeah, else? they were. Yeah, after as soon as we actually got product, I actually hired my family to come in, and there was like <laughs> six of us around a table for like two days straight packing like thousands of these things. So it was That's awesome. wild. Yeah, so, cool man. Um, but that was way cool. Anyway, so yeah, now I never I never aimed to be a hat rack salesman. But that is what I are. So That's, there you go. And it works for you, man. It's and it's a good gig. You're doing the world a service. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm organizing, uh, organizing the world one closet at a time. <laughs> I I could use some help. Speaking of organizing closets, I I have zero. Here's the thing. I have many talents. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of my talents involve anything handiwork. I can't do it. Uh, I, I just I'm not capable of doing <laughs> that. Totally surprises uh, me. No, man. dude. I I can do a lot of things, but like I've learned, just don't try. Like you're gonna you're gonna set yourself up for disappointment. Uh, anyway, I, I have this dream of building a gun rack in that closet behind you on the wall. Oh, absolutely. And nothing crazy, just something nice that I can hang my rifles on, uh, and shotguns. Dude, so, you got to come over. We can knock that out in a, in a few hours in the shop. Seriously. Let's arrange that. I'd be interested in doing that. For let's sure. do it. I'm down. Yeah, all right. Awesome. So that'll be put on the schedule. That'll be my, uh, and I'll, I'll pay you for it. I'll pay for your time no, no, for, that's just, uh, for no. coming on the podcast. That's, no, that's buddies <laughs> doing woodwork and it's fun. Yeah. I guess it's convenient that you just live like a literally like a block away. Yeah. So what's, what's the future of dome docs look like? Do you have any idea? You said you have Amazon coming on. That's crazy. Yeah. So we're just taking a step at a time. Um, but yeah, we're, we're looking to launch, um, Amazon come January and, um, you know, just getting ready for Q4. Um, they say that, in the fourth quarter of the year, you usually sell in that one quarter, you know, for product-based businesses as much as you did in the rest of the year, all combined. And Christmas, so, et cetera. Yeah. So we're already pre-packing a bunch of boxes and getting things, uh, you know, folded up and tucked away so that when it's time to slap labels on stuff, we're not going nuts with our hairs on fire. Where are you storing all this stuff at, dude? We got some uh, storage units. And then I guess you also, had to. And yeah. And also our garage is just packed full <laughs> of, of everything, bubble wrap and tissue paper and uh, boxes and everything i hate that's and it i mean I, I can imagine how much room that stuff takes i can't believe you're selling those like in the thousands that blows my mind yeah it uh i mean honestly so that journey went like after our kickstarter campaign funded and that's what you were talking about helping out with which yeah we're super grateful for that yeah, sure after that we we had enough money to, to purchase two thousand units and we thought this is kind of crazy. This might take us a year to sell these, or it might take us two years. I, we have no idea. And they were gone in like a month or two. It was, it was crazy. Wild. And so since then we've reordered a few times and it's just been, uh, I mean, blessings. So yeah. it's been really cool. No, for sure. And guys, like I, if you don't have one of these hat racks, the dome dock, you definitely need one. They're brainless to install. I told you earlier, I'm not a handy person. I installed mine. <laughs> two sure, I sure did. Two <laughs> screws. I did it. They're level, like, you know, <laughs> just they're in the wrong place. That's all. See, I have way more faith in you than you have in yourself. No, Buddy, like, oh. uh, you're, you're, yeah, you're going to set yourself for disappointment. Don't put your faith in me because I'm going to probably going to botch it. Oh, man. Anyway, so yeah, man. So let's, uh, where do we want to start at? I don't know. Uh, this I, like, is, I like talking about fishing. I like talking about outdoors. Dude, um, this podcast is, is yours for the next hour, hour and a half. So we can talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. All right, about. tell me about this. Yeah. You went on a fly fishing trip. It was did. your first fly fishing I trip. I did. Is that it, right? was, it was. Okay. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, you actually, you you had it in one of your other podcasts. So I'll I, make you repeat all that. No, I I did. So a buddy of mine, Cody Wilbanks, I uh, he he loves it. Uh-huh. And he was like, Caleb, you should try this. It'll be a whole lot of fun. We'll go up to Colorado. I've got a place on the Canehouse River. You know, See, we'll go I with love that river. fish. Yeah, that's oh man. It was awesome. Brown Super trout remote. like crazy up there. There, yeah, there were a ton of browns. Um, and we did really well. 
I, I didn't know what I was doing. I had, I've never fly fished before mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not, I'm not a real, I'm not really a great angler period. Uh, I, I'm still like, I, I just don't know a whole lot about it. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy it. It definitely takes a lot of getting out there and just doing it. And with some, it's best if you have somebody out there who knows what they're doing. A mentor. Yeah. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's important to have somebody who, who can show you. And, and mm -hmm. so realizing that we thought, well, let's get a, uh, a guide oh, good call. and and we'll do it. And it was Conejos Anglers, I believe is the, uh, the outfitter that we, we hired to guide for this trip. Spent uh, four or five days on the Conejos River, had a blast, caught a ton of trout. Mm. Um, we we enjoyed it. I en I actually enjoy fly fishing more than I do. Is it rod and reel? Like what's the? I don't know what the other type of fishing. Like, I mean, yeah, bass uh, fishing. Yeah, no, bait caster, spin rod, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, call it. yeah. I and I enjoyed that fly fishing for whatever reason. I enjoyed more. Dude, so for me, it's like there's no bad day fly fishing. Like <laughs> you can catch a million trout and you're just like on cloud nine because you caught so many trout. And if you catch nothing, you get skunked. It's like, wow, I just spent a whole day in the mountains standing in a river. Like, yeah, it feels like being a kid again, you know, it, it like when you're kicking around the rocks and like fighting the, the current and just like, you know, a lot of times. So whenever I go, I, I like have a, a, a day pack on basically. Yeah. And so it's got my jet boil and some dehydrated food in there and snacks. And I'm a big ham a hammock camper as well. And so I've usually got my hammock set up. And so if I'm like just spent, you know, halfway through the day, honestly, I just get out of the river, string up my hammock and take a nap and then come back, you know, get back after it. Oh yeah. You know, it's like, it's all about having a good time. And if you're just uh, beating it to death, it's kind of like, ah, go take a breather, you know, get something, uh, some warm food in your belly or something and then come back at it. Yep. Yeah. Which is kind of cool though. Um, I only, I learned how to backpack and hammock camp so that I can fly fish more, you know, <laughs> seriously, because the further you can get back up in the rivers, you know, the better you can do usually if you get to the places where nobody else is. Um, but it's bled over into some other um, fishing, like me and some buddies, we, we go hit, we have an annual trip where we go around to all the power plant lakes in the DFW area, um, like middle of the winter, there'll Wait. be 70 degrees. It's so cool. Oh. Yeah, it's a blast. It's a blast. And so, I mean, you got all these big fat mama bass that are like, you know, getting ready to spawn in the next couple of months. So they're, I mean, they're getting heavy, they're getting big. And in those power plant lakes, they can just like stack up, you know, wherever the warm water discharge is. Yeah. And so anyway, we, we try to make a yearly trip out of that. And all that to say, I took my jet boil cause I was just used to it whenever I'm going fly fishing all the time. Like that's, I just like to have warm food. You know, if it's really cold, it's a, it's a really good pick me up. And so I took it and those guys, you know, they're, they're used to just standing on a bass boat all day long, you know, just blasting cast all day. And so, uh, we were running from spot to spot and no, they just had the trolling motor on high and I pulled out my jet boy and I started making like, um, <laughs> beef stew, you know, and it's freezing. It's like, you know, 30 degrees outside and I'm over there eating beef stew and they're like, what are you doing? Like, trust me, like this is, this will pick you up. And so, um, at first they kind of, you know, poke fun at me, but whenever I'm over there eating beef stew and they're shivering, they're like, can I have some, you know, like, and, sorry uh, about you. Yeah. Well, I gave them some, but, uh, uh, I'll tell you, you what, after that, they were like, this is a game changer. We're like, we're, we are going to buy a jet boil. We are going to, you know, this is our new winter. Even if you're bass fishing, people don't usually, uh, you know, cook food on boats, but they will now. They, so. now they know. Now they know. Next time I, if you take me, I want hot dogs like halfway through it. Mm. Can we cook hot dogs in the boat? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> you're a hot dog, man. I, I don't know. There's something about hot dogs. Like I go to baseball games for hot dogs. It just, it's really, it's a hot dog show it, and they happen to be playing baseball. It is. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know. I, anyway, but no, the, uh, I, I'm a believer. You're right. Like I, any, I'm okay purchasing anything. And I, I think buying equipment that can extend your stay in the field 
is always worth it. Oh, so it makes yeah. like jet boil, things like that. Uh, good gear. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, things that'll kind of keep you dry, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And like you said, like learning to backpack, that keeps you out in the mountains longer. You know, um, I've got a funny story. You got a second. Yeah, tangent? dude. Okay, no, so. take, dude, we can do all these crazy side roads. Like, I don't care. Dude, so, okay, I'm learning to hammock camp so that I can go fly fishing more in the mountains, <laughs> you know. And you've got to have an underquilt. You've got to have some really nice down equipment, some stuff that's ultra light that you can pack down really small. Anyway, I'm looking for a, a nice, like, zero degree down sleeping bag for, I, I was like, I'm not just going to buy full price because they're pretty, pretty pricey, you know. And so I was like, I'm going to wait for a good deal. I'm going to find a good deal. I'm on Facebook marketplace. I'm on Craigslist, like wherever <laughs> I'm looking everywhere. And I probably looked, I mean, for months, I was like, no, I'm not going to settle. I'm going to, I'm going to get a good deal. You know, I like to hunt for those, oh, yeah. those bargains. Anyway, I couldn't find it. And so finally I, I broke down. I was like, you know what? It's a, uh, uh, Arbor day sale up here at uh, mountain hideaway. I was like, I'm going to go get a good bag, you know? So I went up there and they had like 30% off of a bag. So I, I got uh, a nice zero degree bag for like, I mean, it was, uh, I don't know, 250 bucks or something like that, you know? Anyway, I was so happy that his brand new ultralight zero degree bag, you know, the next day, I'm not getting the next day I pull into our neighborhood and there is a garage sale. And I thought, you know, I'll drive by, peek in there. (laughs) I peek in, guess what is hanging up at the garage sale for five bucks? Zero degree bag. Another zero degree ultralight bag. I was like, you're kidding me. It was like, it was like probably 15, 20 years old, but I mean. I went and checked it and it was, I mean, this nice down sleeping bag with the compression sack. I scooped it up for five bucks. Now you have two zero degree <laughs> sleeping bags and you're out 250 bucks. That's, that's right. a bargain right there, man. 255 bucks. 255 yeah. bucks. So there you go. Like that's, you basically paid, what is that? What's the math yeah. on that? Like a hundred and you know, $28 a piece yeah, something like exactly. that. Hey, I think you won. Yeah. I, I still, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. And the cool thing is now that I had two bags. Now I, you can take me. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so my sister had never gone fly fishing. And ironically enough, the Conejos River, we went up to Antonito there yeah. or just west of Antonito. And uh, pulled off in a little uh, campground there. And me and my sister camped and fished the uh, Conejos River. And she used the extra sleeping bag there. That's so, a degree yeah. bag. Hammock camping. Oh, I'll tell you what. That Why was hammock the, camping? Dude, it's the it's the most comfortable way you'll sleep in the wild. Seriously. It's huh. like, it just, um, so I say that part of the reason, part of the thing that made me fall in love with it was I went on a mission trip to Brazil and we slept on the boat in hammocks. And I That's tell you right. what, it was like being rock cradled and rocked to sleep all night long. And I was like, this is legit. And I learned more and more. (laughs) And it is by far, I think the most comfortable way that you can sleep in the wild. The thing is anything lower than like say 70 degrees. And it sounds like way up there, but anything under that, you have to have an underquilt um, underneath you or you're going to wake up. And even if you have a great sleeping bag, you compress it when you lay on it and uh, you'll wake up with cold, butt, cold shoulder and you got to flip all over the place. So got to have a, under quilt if you're going anything under 70 degrees that's good to know yeah i haven't yeah. ever uh I've, you know i i man it's been a maybe i should be ashamed of myself it's been a hot minute since i've been camping hmm. i don't know why i haven't even like on this trip that we took the conejos river uh we stayed in a fifth wheel and it it was convenient it was in Hor- uh right there in orca uh-huh. so do you like if you head west out of antonito uh and it's about 15 miles west of antonito you, you'll that's where we run in, into the conejos river and there's a little campground right there whenever you turn off and that's where we were bouncing around that we had the uh fifth wheel camper it was super nice that was that was a way to do it yeah and then we just hopped in the side by side and flew up and down the conejos on those fire roads you know yeah. to, to find the spots mm-hmm. that was a blast cool and i uh, it's funny i am a super frugal uh outdoorsman as well and it's like 
I think I just grew up out of necessity, kind of yeah. everything was had to be frugal. And so I had that mindset. And now as I'm getting more established, I'm sort of like branching out, getting nicer stuff and yep. kind of, um, you know, I'll spring for a room every now and then. If Some Sims to. waiters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, for sure. So. It's, 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 it, it, like you said, I, man, I, I don't, I'm not the most frugal person in the world. Actually, I'm, I'm not frugal by any measure. <laughs> you, no one, no one who knows me would ever say like, Kayla, that guy's, he's a wise spender. He knows I'm not, but I, I do put money into gear because I, I, I put a lot of, dude, I put a, a, a big price tag and a lot of stock into comfort. Mm-hmm. I cannot stand being miserable. Mm-hmm. I hate being cold. I hate being uncomfortable. I hate being wet. So I just pay the price and, and I, I go comfortably. It's nice to be able to do that for sure. But man, you're like, you, you've got to find the sales and this and that, but that's not to say for people who are wanting to get into sports, uh, outdoor sports and, you know, hunting, fishing, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, you really do. And you don't have to go and spend, you know, $3,000 on a bunch of a gear for, you know, for a hunt or for fishing or anything like that. You can start with something small and kind of work your way up and just one piece at a time. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got to the point, uh, everything I buy is as far as like hunting gear is Sitka. Sitka gear is incredibly expensive. I didn't even know about Sitka gear until you, and since then I've done a little research, but I'm like, I'm really curious about Sitka gear. It, it works incredibly well. They, they, there is a premium on the, on the price for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, but everything works. And honestly, it's a little things it's, it's like uh, uh, pockets are where they need to be. Yeah. Like things to hang are like to hang them up are where they need to be. Yeah. Uh, so I heard you and Cal talking about that a little bit. That dude. And you were like, there was like a, I mean, little, they put Velcro in places or leather in places that it's like. It makes, totally sense. makes sense. Yeah. They thought through that. Whitetail gear. Like a good example is, is also like for their whitetail lines and like their, their big game lines, all that. They're all, they, on, instead of the, the Velcro pockets, they, magnets and they're silent mm-hmm. they're completely quiet so you can get in your pockets and not scare yeah. off everything within brilliant it is brilliant also their their ring gear it, it it's like it's next level stuff but anyway i and people are like man i you know i want caleb like let me and people come to me all the time hey man like do you have this yep i do you know what do you want to know about it and they're like and i tell them you know and they're like well we just you know it's so expensive i can't afford you know this and that and i don't want to do all of it once i'm like man just buy one piece at a time yeah buy one piece every season it adds up it, it really adds up yeah Cause it's funny. I'm the same way with all my fly gear. So um, whenever I graduated grad school, actually, that was my, I told them, I was like, nobody get me a gift. Nobody get me a gift. Instead chip in on a gift card and I want to buy all my own fly fishing gear. And, and I want to take my first fly fishing trip because I had never been fly fishing, you know, up until then I was all catfish and I was big time into bass, you know? Um, anyway, they, uh, Chelsea, my wife, her family all chipped in together and got me like a $400 gift card. Nice. Um, it was so cool. And so even then though, I mean, when you've got to buy a pole and rig up your reel, you know, backing fly line leaders, like get your whole kit, all the flies. I mean, a fly, you can, if you cast wrong, you can pop off your fly, just snap it off. It's gone with the wind. Yep. And that's like two, three bucks a fly, you know? Yeah. So I went, I, I bought a, a $30 beginner fly tying kit. And I was like, you know, for 30 bucks, I can make at least, you know, 15 flies. And it turned out, I mean, they give you enough stuff to tie uh, hundreds of them. Really? Really, yeah. And so ever since then, it's so funny because I say I'm frugal. But at the same time, like, I bought, oh, I need some of these feathers. You know, you buy that's like <laughs> seven, eight bucks. And I need some of those feathers. Oh, and I need some more hooks. And now I've got this pack of my fly tying gear itself is probably a $500 bag of just hooks and feathers. That's good all, grief, you know? dude. And I'm like, yeah, good thing I saved all that money. <laughs> well, if you need, if you need any uh, goose or duck feathers, I know a guy. Hey, you know what? I, I literally like, I come back here to the house after every hunt and uh, you know, I, I get in trouble for it sometimes, but I've, I've so I'll clean all the birds in the garage, throw the carcasses in a, in a five gallon, you know, in a, in a big 
trash bag and then dump it. But you know what? I might, I'll actually take you up on that. It's funny. Like my wife, she has decorations around the house, like a, a peacock uh, tail feather or something mm-hmm. like that. And when she's not looking, I'm like ripping off little pieces of the peacock <laughs> curls. So, Just for there. I've got know. a, oh, yeah. I know in there right now I have some uh, pheasant tail. Ooh, yeah. That I can, I can give you one of those. I think there's yeah. two or three of them in there. Well, I've got me. a whole, I mean, I've got a whole pheasant tail, like the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, a pheasant tail uh, nymph. I mean, beadhead pheasant tail nymphs, um, copper johns. Well, um, all kinds of stuff. You can tie all sorts of stuff with uh, pheasant tails. So. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm not patient nor steady enough to tie flies you should try it i'm, I'm gonna let you try it sometime yeah so it's it's fun it's like well are you a details guy no okay well, maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll hate it. i'm like it's so great to me whenever i like so i'm kind of a night owl too and so whenever everybody goes to bed and i just want to like uh veg out on a on youtube videos or something like that i get out my fly tying stuff especially in the winter whenever you can't really go anywhere yeah. you know kind of stuck inside you know and you can just you can just tie flies and just rig out your whole box so that the next time you take a trip, you just got everything. It's there's something so satisfying about I can imagine a, a fish on a fly that you tied. Like it's just like this welling up of pride. The first time it ever happens, it's like, Oh, you know that, that scene in castaway where he's like, Oh, <laughs> when he made the fire. fire. <laughs> it's like, that's what it feels like. It's so awesome. And then whenever you, uh, you lose a fly, is it like whenever Wilson floats away? It's just like, uh, <laughs> like the Titanic Actually, it's music not in the bad. background. Whenever I snap off like a $3 fly or, you know, um, get it hung up on a rock or a, a log or something like that. Then I get mad. But whenever I'm like, I thought that myself. It was like 20 cents. Yeah, I just get another. Not a big, you know, deal. No big deal. In fact, there was a cool thing. There was this old man. I was at the Chama River, kind of um, yeah. northern. Uh, there's a place called uh, Cooper's Elvado Ranch. And you can go pay to get on there and fish up and down the river from their ranch. You, you can even stay there on site. they got these little cabins. Is that like somewhere just outside of Chama? Uh, it's it's in New Mexico, actually. It's right before the Colorado border. So um, it's, it's yeah. just north of Chama, it's, like between Chama and, I guess... Right there on, is it 17? Yeah, Tierra Amaria, I think is actually the town that it's, or somewhere around there. Okay. Between Chama and Tierra Amaria. Um, anyway, there was an old uh, Native American guy that I had met on the river that day. We were both fly fishing. And there's a funny story in there, but. Tell it. it well, okay, sure. So it's funny. I was catching fish and uh, he was, we were, um, he didn't have anybody with him. I didn't have anybody with me. So we were kind of just tracking with each other. You know, we had met each other before we took off. Anyway, um giving each other distance though. And whenever I caught, you know, first rainbow, I was like, Hey, you know, check it out. And he was like, nice, you know, and then I let it go. And his, he stood up straight and looked at me and I, I could tell, like I had done something, you know, to offend him maybe. And he was like, you just let it go. I said, yeah, I mean, are, are you keeping them? He's like, yeah, I mean, if you're not, I, I'll keep them. Said, All right, great. man. I'll, I'll let you have the next one. Oh, great. You know? And so, um, the next one I caught, I said, yeah, you want it? He was like, yeah, you sure? I'll keep, I'll keep it. Yeah, yeah. And so I walk up and hand it to the guy. He takes it and sticks it in his pocket. What? <laughs> and I was like, what? And I was like, did he just seriously stick he did. it in his pocket? Yeah, he stuck it in his pocket. And uh, next time he caught a fish, again, I was just kind of watching him while I'm fishing. <laughs> and sure enough, he took it and just kind of hit its head on the rock and stuck it in his pocket. He turns out he had been walking around for hours with fish in his pockets. I was just like, that is kind of weird. Anyway. That is, he, yeah. I guess. I mean, it saves him from having to carry around like a cooler or whatever. It's got to so. be cold enough, I, I like, guess. That's the thing with me. I'm like, man, if that, it's not even keeping it. He's not standing like in his with his pockets in the water, so it's not really keeping the fish um, cold. But anyway, to he each did. his own. He made it that long. He was probably 80, 80 years old. So he knew what he was doing. He was he figured out something. Yeah, 
you gonna go and, put fish in your pocket now? Well, Is that what you do? Well, and part of that's actually what I was what I was getting at. No, I'm not. I'm not keeping any. I'm all uh, <laughs> catch and release. But funny thing about that though, um, so he, or the point of telling that story, I should say. So he had actually, when he was wading across the river, he had lost his whole box of flies, and he was pretty torn up about it. And so whenever we got back to the trucks, it was like, ah oh, man. And I said, you know, I got to thinking about it. I'm like, for for him, that's like. You know, he had showed me his box. It was probably forty, fifty dollars worth of flies in there. Yeah. You know, um, but for me, I mean, that's like what? I mean, ten bucks, you know, worth of tying material and a couple know, of hours some, some of time. time. Yeah, which I enjoy tying anyway. So I was like, here, man, just take all these. And I started unloading my box for him, and he was just, no, 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 that's too much. <laughs> I was like, seriously, man. Like he thought I was unloading fifty dollars worth of stuff, but it was like it was nothing. It was just you know flies. You were it's, in- no, it's cool whenever it's like. If you're not spending that much, it makes it so much easier to just give them away. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's incredibly just, and maybe he's catching something on. He's like, he's like, you know what? He's telling his kids about it or his grandkids. Like I was with this guy out one day in this random river. I met him. His name's John. He gave me all these flies and yeah. the flies that you're fishing with. He, he wasn't made them. even keeping his fish in his pockets. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> he must not have big enough pockets. He had like them chick pockets that like you can't fit anything in. Is that what I you had? Know, That's what you have. It's all right, man. I'm not going to judge you. There's no judgment right. here. Hey, you won't know until you come with me and go fish. All right? I, I mean, I'm down. Let's go do it. I'd absolutely go fish. I, and Colorado is a little bit of a commitment. I don't mind. I'll, I'll do it for yeah. sure. Um, but the even like locally man you do a lot of fishing around here you're huge into bass fishing yeah you send me pictures of giant fish like i've never caught fish that big bro oh those are you talking about the striped bass yeah oh yeah or the you've caught largemouth that size i caught well okay yeah i have but not striper and not that dude so let me be completely forthright with you those striper that i sent you the last few times i've been out um those were my first striper to catch are they really yeah man so are you getting um, them at at buffalo springs lake here i didn't even know buffalo had striper bro yeah um Dude, I've got a friend who he limits out on them every time he goes. I mean, just these huge striper. They're they're all over the place. In fact, I didn't tell you the whole story, but the last one I sent you, I mean, it went from it went from my ankle about midway up my thigh. It was a big fish. I yeah. think that was the biggest striper I've ever held. Um, but that one, I caught him with my my hands. What? I didn't even get, catch him with my no. So there was something wrong with that fish. I think he okay. ate, I think he ate a bobber <laughs> or something. <laughs> and so I've got you know a fishing kayak. And so I'm pedaling out there in my kayak and I see like some splashing going on. I was like, what in the world? So I just, you know, kind of pedaled over there. And uh, as soon as I get close, he like dives down. I was like, oh, what was that? You know? And then uh, as I'm kind of coasting away, he pops back up. I was like, dude, that's a big old striper. So I circle back and every time I come in close to him, he like dives down. And then every time I pass him, he, he kind of comes back up. And then eventually I got, he, he came up and he would sit on the top whenever nobody was around. And so I came cruising in fast, straight at him. And then, and sure enough, as soon as I got by, by him, I just grabbed him by the tail and just whipped him up onto my boat. Snatched so, him up. Yeah, that was it, man. But he was kicking all over the place. There was something wrong with that fish. But um, Huh. Did you put it in your pocket? <laughs> I just took a picture and sent it to you. That was yeah. that was a big fish. Yeah. That was a real big fish. So but, you, you fish on, you, so Buffalo all the time. Do you go down to uh, Alan Henry? Yeah, I've been out there before. I've caught some black bass out there. I've never caught striper out there. I didn't know there was a black bass. I'm sorry. Black bass is just another name for like largemouth. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. There you go. So this is my my knowledge of fishing is limited. I should preface (laughs) this by saying that. That's all right. Yeah. What? So what started you in fishing? Man, I've just always like, I was kind of a river rat growing up. Like I say that we moved all over the place before I met you. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Like I moved over 20 places before I was 12 years old. Why? Um, Just parents were... Uh, pretty unhealthy and so there was kind of like they were in and out of jobs a lot so we're we're moving around with family members a lot and uh 
it's kind of all around Texas. So when people say like, Hey, where are you from? I either say big, big spring where I graduated or I say Texas because yeah, we just moved all around Texas. <laughs> anyway, um, my favorite place growing up whenever I was a kid was around the hill country and we were just always in the rivers. Yeah. I mean, the, I'm the Pedernales, the Guadalupe, the Frio. I, I interned one summer in Uvalde and just spent all summer fishing the Frio. And so uh, everywhere I've been, there's always rivers and there's always lakes. And so that was one thing. My my dad never owned a gun growing up. And so um, we weren't hunters or anything. My uncles were big time. Um, and that's where I got introduced to that later on in life. Started doing some deer hunting and stuff. But um, rivers were always around. And so whenever, like our rules when we were a kid were just like be back before dark. And so me and my brother would just go and like play in the river, play in the lakes all day long. And so fishing just became my thing. I just love to be in the water. I love, there's always this curiosity. That's something about my personality. It's just like, I want to know what's down there. <laughs> you know, you know? And so like, um, I mean, sometimes honestly, if I'm out at a place and I'm not catching much, like I just want to dive in the water, you know, just and check just, it out. just see what's like, in what there. Yeah. Looking at down here? Yeah, I got my scuba license a while back. There and you go. Just, so I, I just want to, I don't want to know what's down there, you know? You got your scuba license just to go see what's down there? Yes. Dirt. Yes. There's there's mud down there. That's, there's, that's, yeah, there's mud yeah. and trees. There's not a lot of places you can really even see. But if you're on the Frio, things like that, it's clear enough that it would actually be awesome to go and dive oh, yeah. down and check that stuff out. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, one of the last year or year before last, when we were in the Philippines, we did a lot of snorkeling, uh, like diving down on shipwrecks and things like that, oh, World War II shipwrecks. Yeah. And you had to get deep, but you could get down there. It was it was it was divable, and it was Man. like you know 20, 20 feet down something like that. But a ton of fun. I had so much fun diving down, and the fish would come right up to you. They didn't care. They were like, "What's up?" Dude, like, what? That sounds awesome. Yeah, oh my you, goodness. you need to go. You need to go to the Philippines officially. You had that mission trip to to Brazil. Yeah, uh, the Philippines. I think you would also because the fishing is outrageous there. Oh, and same. Thailand. Everywhere I go, that's like that's an understanding with my wife is like we're, right, we're gonna go and, and we're also gonna do some fishing. Yeah, you know. So like in Brazil, uh, I'm you ever watch like river monsters? Yeah, yeah. So um, there's one of the fish he called it's called a piraiba, and it's like a big old flat mouthed uh, catfish that I mean they can grow huge. They can be like I mean six, like how seven feet long. Seven yeah. feet long. Yeah. Um, but I caught one whenever I was there in Brazil because I was like, hey, if I'm going, I'm going to be on the river. I'm going to be fishing, you know. And so we caught a few, you know, we called wolf fish and uh, peacock bass. And whenever we're on the boat at night and everybody's just like, you know, chilling out, I'm like, I've got a rod overboard. You know? So, <laughs> so um, the the there's these little fish. I can't even remember what they're called, but um, they would they they weren't piranha. They were smaller than piranha. They look like these little minnow catfish that had these little bead eyes. Anyway, they they. Uh, Everything in that river is scavengers, it seems mm-hmm. like. Anyway, so there, it's a challenge just to keep your bait in the water long enough for something big to find it. Yeah. But anyway, fished uh, for a few days before I caught a nice big old catfish, but I'll have to show it to you sometime. But it's, uh, it's, it's a weird-looking, cool, big old catfish that's probably, I don't know, three feet long, something like that. What would you catch it on? Um, we were catching little fish and then just cutting them up and – uh, those, yeah, those little ones that I was telling you about, those mm-hmm. ones that were eating us dry, we put on some little hooks and catch those easy. And then we'd use those, cut them up and use them for the bigger fish. You had a ton of fun. Did you fish almost every night? Yeah, pretty much every day. Would the guy, <laughs> so the guy who was leading, they, they, did they know anything about it? Like, did you? Uh, no, it was funny. There was a lot of the people who were there were like college students from Brazil, you know, mm-hmm. and they were kind of translating for us and stuff. But those guys, they were like, 
city slickers. Like you wouldn't <laughs> think it because we're like we're on the Rio Negro, which is a branch off of the the Amazon River, and uh, we're thinking, wow, like these, uh, you know, these uh, Portuguese speaking uh, Brazilians, like they just have to be out in the jungle all the time. And they were like, no, we've never been out here. This is crazy. These guys are, you know, living off the land. I, my, I have bad cell phone service. You know, like, <laughs> like, and so you wouldn't think it, but anyway. Ton of fun. Yeah, it was great. You got to go. So the, one of the most uh, fun fishing trips I've ever done was in Thailand. Mm. Uh, and went to Thailand and did a, we chartered a boat and went out and fished uh, in the ocean. Like deep sea yeah. fishing? Yeah, oh, had man. a blast. Dude, we were pulling in. Mahi Mahi, and I forget the name of Mahi Mahi. Uh, Some people call it Mahi Mahi. Some people call it dolphin fish. Or... Dolphin fish is one of them. And then they're, uh, well, Dagon, oh, you... Dorado. Oh, Dorado. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, but we were pulling those in like left and right. You, oh, you, See, it, like, I've we never were... caught that. I'd love to. I've seen so many videos of it. Dude, we were bringing up, like we couldn't get off of them. And then we caught a tuna, which was awesome because we took that. So we're catching all these and we're throwing them in the boat. Like the guy's like, no, nope, we'll take them. We feel, you know, we feed the people back home. Yeah. Uh, so we're keeping all the fish. And we catch this tuna and the, and the guy was like, the guy was like, you guys just did really well. Like this tuna, like it's worth a lot of money. And sure enough, we took it back after we got done fishing. So we fished all day, had a ton of fun. They like took us to this little island uh, in the middle of the day. And some of the fish that we had caught, they cooked it up right there and, and fed it to us. And it was delicious. Oh, that sounds awesome. And then we get back and we sell, we sell everything back at the market. Uh, and that tuna was it, it, like, we, it, it was like, we, we, whenever we sold it, it actually paid for our trip to do that day. Wow. That is amazing. Pretty awesome, man. But that was actually a blast. And Philippines is the same way, man. See, I love that. That's like my primary reason for wanting to travel now. It's just, I want to fish everywhere. I want fish to fish everywhere. Yeah. There's some people who like focus in on one fish, you know, they're like, I want to, I want to catch bass mm -hmm. and only bass forever. You know, I like my friends who I take the, the, uh, December DFW sort of power, power plant to yeah. Um, they're kind of like unofficially like what a sellout, you know, like I'm not just doing bass fishing all the time. Like for the last several years, I've been primarily fly fishing, but, uh, officially they're like, yeah, we're happy for you. That's neat. You know, <laughs> but, but you, but what about the bass? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so some people do that and some people just want to catch opportunity. all the fish. I want to catch every kind of fish I can possibly catch. You're an you equal know? opportunity fisherman. Yeah, I can't man. blame you on that one. Do you? On that power plant, do you go with my cousin or no? Does he does he go on these trips? No, he doesn't. Oh. Um, yeah, I've I've only actually fished with him a few times. So we fished some in high school and some uh, just recently. I'm actually surprised. So my my cousin is a huge fisherman, also uh, does the whole bass tournament thing. He yeah. and he, I guess he does pretty well with it. I I have no idea. I don't He's know what the really standards. Impressed me the last couple of times we went. Um, and we told you the story that we can't tell on here, uh, yeah. how we caught the last bit of fish yeah. together. But. Yeah. But hey, <laughs> learning process. And that was actually kind of funny. It was, it was good that you had, that he, whenever he came up here, he wants to come up and he wants to do uh, So he does want to wrap his boat. And he reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and was like, Hey man, I'm, I'm thinking about wrapping my boat. Uh, would you, would you want to sponsor that? And I thought, well, what are we talking about? So anyway, uh, he told me I could have both sides of the boat as big as I want it to do, uh, like the average outdoorsman experience logo. I might do that, man. Well, that's, that's awesome. Cool. I'm going to call him and be like, hey, you want Dome Dock on your boat? He, no, you you should 100% do that. Like, And that's exactly why I'm bringing it up. That yeah. might be a good advertisement opportunity for you. Cool. Oh, man. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I'm dude. Yeah. Awesome. So that's how you got started in fishing, and it's kind of grown from there. And you fish like a couple of times a week, dude. <laughs> yeah, on a good week. Yeah. On a, no. All right. So usually, Chels, my sweet wife, she'll give me one morning a week where I can just kind of go do whatever I want. And yeah. it's usually lately has been, yeah, taking the kayak out and uh, doing some striper fishing. 
Um, but last week was her birthday, so I didn't go. Uh, didn't you go you sacrificed. Go yeah, that's right. You're such a good husband. Yeah, I tell you what. Uh, <laughs> things we do for those we love. Yep. But uh, usually it's just like once a week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where do you enjoy going most? Like locally, within reason. I was going to say, how far can I travel? Yeah, like something like you could do like a day trip on. Um, honestly, I, anything that I haven't done before. Okay. So like if I just get wind of a new way to catch them or a, a place where they're biting and doing something different, that's, you know, that's way cool. Uh, around here, probably just bass fishing, you know, uh, large mouth and okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get totally shunned. Actually, I'll tell you one other thing I like to do around here. So the most indiscriminatory way to catch fish where you can catch all kinds of species. If you really want to know what's down there is to grab a cast net. And go throw a cast. Net. Yeah, just to kind so, of check it out. Yeah. So the last time, uh, or not, I say the last. One of the first times actually, I went striper fishing out there at Buffalo Springs. Um, I just wanted to go with some live bait, so I was like, eh, I need to catch some shad. So I threw in for some shad, threw my cast net in, and caught like a bass and a bunch of shad. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know that there was largemouth in this lake. So that's cool, you know. And so, but then I was like, man, I just want to keep throwing it. And so, uh, anyway, fast forward, me and my family took a little camping trip out there. And I was like, guys, there's so many shad in this lake. It's absolutely ridiculous. And so we were playing this game where you, I would throw the cast net and then my kids would guess how many shad are in the net, you know, <laughs> or how many fish, you know, perch, you, you just catch whatever's down there. And so anyway, the biggest cast that I had, I caught 42 shad in one grab. What? Like, yeah, they were just like, I mean, it was like fishes and loaves. They were just like dancing all over the ground. It was really awesome. But in that, span of like an hour i think i caught like five different species of fish you know which if you're if you got a rod and reel you might catch nothing if you don't have exactly what they want at exactly the right time you're presenting it right in front of their nose exactly how they want it you know but take a cast net out there if you got kids with you it's a blast they enjoy it too yeah just catch everything i have i think that's where i struggle with fishing is you have to know and i I guess it's with anything and you just had to put the work into it and, and learn and and you know, have a mentor who will show yeah, you what, yeah. you know, this, you this know season, the best this mentor lake. is out there. YouTube. Yeah. You learn anything you want on YouTube, <laughs> man. I, I spend way too much time on YouTube watching fishing videos. I know nothing about any of that, man. Like, I don't know when to catch fish. What's, you know, when the best year, what time is the best, best time of the year to catch fish? Mm-hmm. What kind of, you know, lures to use anything else? I went out to, uh, so I need to take you out to, I've got access to a, a, a good size private lake. Mm. Uh, and it's about like 80 it. acres. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about chest deep. Uh, all the way across. So you're going to, it's a kayak lake, yeah. but uh, you need to get out there and, and go fish it. I went out there and fished it and I didn't catch anything. Uh, Nothing. Not, yeah. not even. What a- you need to do is let me go first. I'll figure it out. And then we'll go back and we'll catch together. I'm yeah. down. When yeah. would like, could you fish that like this time of the year? Uh, yeah. You can and fish probably do okay. time of the year. Yeah. You got to change up your tactics. Usually whenever like, so on a little stock pond kind of thing like that, uh, it sounds like, is it sort of a lake yeah. or a pond? It, it's a like, lake. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, so it depends on what you want to catch, um, but I'm guessing probably bass is what you're going. Yeah, for. they've got bass and catfish apparently, and it's stocked. Cool. So catfish is like sit, grab a drink, throw a line out, and you just you know put some bells on the on the line, and you don't mm-hmm. have to do much. You'll catch catfish; they'll sniff Perfect. out the bait. Um, but if you want bass, um, that's one of those things. I mean, catfish you can catfish all year long; they're going to be active. Mm-hmm. But bass, you've got to put something. You got to really slow things down. And you got to put it right in front of their face. Uh, and usually smaller baits work and that kind of thing. So, but yeah, you can catch them all year long. You need to go down there and do it. And it's, it's day trippable. It's down in knot. Yeah. How far uh, is that from here? Ac- it's right next to Ackerley, bro. Okay. So that's what, an hour and a half, something like that? Not even that much. I think we make it in about an hour and 15, something like that. Sweet. So. Well, yeah, that's way doable. Yeah. So whenever I head out to Buffalo Springs, 
So I'm usually so excited. Like it's funny weekly. I can't hardly sleep the, the <laughs> night before a fishing trip. I can't sleep. But I, so I've been leaving at like maybe five in the morning, mm-hmm. grab some water burger on the way out there and some coffee and uh, throw the cast net in until the sun comes up and then, yep. uh, then, then go for it. So, I mean, yeah, we could get out of here at five o'clock, five thirty, whatever, and be out there by the time the sun comes up. Let's so, do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm down. Be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't talk about it. Be about it. Yeah. Be about <laughs> it. I, uh, it, it actually needs to start soon. Hunting season's about to kick off for me. So, yeah. uh, end of this month is, is, is whenever all the stuff that I hunt kind of comes about. Yeah. So, so it's are you excited busy. about that? Dude, I cannot wait. <laughs> I've been waiting like in, in dove season is sort of the kickoff, right? It's yeah. the jump off. Like once, once dove season comes around, you know that everything else is coming. Uh-huh. So I've been having a blast uh, dove hunting. I've gone Is that out. a pun? Having a blast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that my dad joke of the day. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, uh, it, but dove season, man, I, it, it comes around and it kind of, it's like duck practice, right? Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's practice for us. You get out there, kind of, you know, break some of that rust off and yeah. kind of get back into the groove, getting up early. And, and man, I, I can't wait though. It's, it's right around the corner. I'm waiting. We just need a couple of good cold fronts to push birds down. Now, who do you usually hunt with? So I hunt with two guys primarily, a guy named Cody Wilbanks and a guy mm-hmm. named Zach Karen. Those are, they're the ones who kind of got me into, into bird hunting it. So I spend mm-hmm. most of my time uh, with those guys, but I hunt by myself quite a bit. And I also hunt with uh, the farmer. So I've, I got really fortunate and, and met this farmer uh, in Olton, Texas. And he has, through the you know, conversation and, and everything else, I've got access to a ton of property. Oh man, uh, that's Yeah. Awesome. And, and the cool thing about it is he... He used to hunt quite a bit, but he got kind of wrapped up in life and he's got his family and, yeah. you know, working hard and this and that. And so it just kind of, it, it, you know, it, it wasn't a priority for him. So I came around knocking on his door one day and I guess it kind of sparked an interest again for him. So he goes with me all the time too. And that's nice when your farmer, whenever your, your landowner wants to hunt with you, you know, it's, it's a good thing. It's, yeah. it's always, it's good for business. But uh, anyway, so I hunt with him. But yeah, man, I, I spend most of my time because cool he he's, I mean, he spends his time out there on that land. So he knows what's coming around. Oh, he knows. And he, I mean, it's easy cause he does, you know, he's, he scouts for us. Uh, he'll, he'll let us know where the birds are cause he's driving around his property all the time. Uh, so he'll, he'll let us know, okay, they're going to be in this field. They've been in this field at this time. This is where they're coming in. This is the X. Uh, and it's worked out pretty, it's a, it's a good relationship. I, yeah. uh, and, and it doesn't cost me anything. It costs me, I, I pay him in Coors Light. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's yeah, the so, best. Yeah. Yep. Cures light. And, uh, and then every now and then we'll go out there and, and help him, you know, move cattle around yeah, and things I'm like so that. I'm so grateful for people who are so generous like that. who are just willing to let you come out. There was a guy, um, whenever I was living down in Goldthwaite in, uh, in the hill country mm-hmm. and, uh, he let me come out to his spot over in Lano, not too far from there. And the thing is, I, he said, you want, are you, you know, antler hunting or are you just meat hunting? I said, I just want to fill up the freezer. Really? He said, great. I've got this huge doe. He, he told me exactly where it was. He's like, set up at this tree. I mean, it'll, it'll be by, you know, shortly, like it, it's going to be this huge doe. And I was like, that's kind of strange that he knows that there's <laughs> like, okay, great. You know, anyway, um, wait around. Sure enough, here comes this whole family of doe coming through and, uh, right in the back of the pack there, there's this huge doe, the biggest doe I've ever seen. I have a whitetail, you yep. know? And, uh, I was like, well, man, he, he really knew what was going on. So <laughs> I'm probably a uh, hundred yards out, just clean shot. So kaboom, pal, dropped her just like that. And uh, so, you know, I waited a little bit, made sure that she was, she was down and done. So I uh, kind of packed my stuff up and then and walked over to her. And uh, anyway, started skinning up the, the deer, you know, get my tag on and everything, but started skinning up. And uh, strangest thing, this doe had nuts. And what? So- <laughs> 
it turned out it was a big old huge antlerless. That so is bizarre. He, he knew about it the whole time. He was like, yeah, we, <laughs> we call that the tranny buck because he's over there acting like a doe, hanging out with the does, looks like a doe. It turned out it was this big old buck that just was antler, had two little nubs on the back of his head. And I was just like, ah, oh, okay. So anyway, he was like, good, get those genetics out of the, out of my, you know. Meat in the freezer. Farm. Yeah. And so uh, anyway, so I got a bunch of meat and got the biggest quote unquote doe that I've ever gotten. So. <laughs> That's all right. Deer is deer. I'm like you, man. I, I'm not, uh, I, I don't chase antlers. I, you know, and, and it's not to say if I, if a, if a nice buck, you know, comes yeah. across the, uh, yeah, the way. Shot several nice bucks. And if they're there, great. But if not like, Hey, dude, I'm just trying to put meat in the freezer, man. Right. At the end of the day, I'm excited about that this year for sure. I've, uh, the, that same farmer I've told you, I've told you about, uh, has agreed to let me come out and, and hunt. So I'm going to do, I've never hunted mule deer. Oh man, I haven't either. I, yeah, I would love to. But. I'm, I'm excited. So I get to get a, uh, a mule deer. Problem is the season's only like 10 days long. So is it's, that right? I didn't realize it's that. super short. Is man. it here in Texas? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yep. So it's 10 days long. It's November. And I want to say it's like November 21st, the 29th, something huh. like that. Eight days. It, it's, it's not long. It's, huh. it's, it's short enough that I took off the entire week from work. Like the entire, that nice. entire season from work. Priorities. That's yeah. Good. Pri- hey man, you, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, and I've, I've got to make time to, to hunt, but I, you know, and my, my reasoning is I've never hunted mule deer. I have no idea how to hunt mule deer. I know that you know, everything I've, I've been told and everything I've read says that you Is don't that different from whitetail. Yeah. They say if you hunt white or if you hunt a mule deer, like a whitetail, you'll never get one. Oh, wow. So I'm kind of preparing for a ton, ton of time glassing, uh, just a lot. Uh, and you and hope good, that I get one, uh, spotting scope. I'm not going to use a spotting scope. I don't have a spotting scope. I have access to a spotting scope if I needed one, uh-huh. but man, I've, I've got some, like some nice 10 by fifties, okay, uh, yeah. binos that'll do the trick. And it's, you know, from what I understand, it's, it's, you know, find somewhere spot look around wait be patient and just hunt all day is it like a spot and stalk kind of thing yeah yeah oh. i'm not gonna be able to, to like elk hunting i guess yeah it's gonna be i think it's similar to that i suppose hmm. uh but i'm hoping to get myself and it's got to be a buck have uh, you been elk hunting no not yet uh-huh. i want to go elk hunting so i have sworn I want to, be awesome. oh dude it's on my and it'll happen in the next couple of years i have sworn to a couple of buddies that i will not go elk hunting until they can go with me. Mm. So I'm, I'm waiting on them. You're a good friend. Hey man, yeah. it's, 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 so you what know, you mean is you're not going to tell them about the time before. <laughs> whenever time you before go elk hunting, I snuck off. They're like, whenever y'all go together, they're going to be like, you sure know a lot about elk hunting. Yeah. They're like, how'd you know all this? I'm like, I don't know, man. The temptation is definitely yeah. real, but man, it's, I, you know, for me, hunting is, is about the experience. Um, oh, yeah, for and sure. it's, it's about that, I don't know, that kindred feeling between, between you and your, your guys or your guys, whoever it is you hunt with, you know, your hunting part, your hunting buddies. Yeah, you got to be careful seeing partner now. <laughs> they are my hunting partners. <laughs> but yeah, but they're good dudes. And they, like I said, they, that was our, my thing is like, man, I, I want to go, but that is something that I want to experience. If I, whenever I do go to experience it, I want to be surrounded by people who are, who I know, like have been yeah. just looking forward to that moment for years yeah. and years and years. Oh, uh, and, and to be able to look over at their face and see their face, like whenever you hear that, you know, that elk bugle, that mm. loud, if, have you ever heard of elk bugle before? Um, I haven't, but everybody says the same thing. It's like the most majestic, just resounding, like crazy just, sounding. Yeah, it uh-huh. sounds like a, a wraith from Lord of the Rings is what it <laughs> sounds like. They're, they're crazy sounding, but yeah, man, I, uh, I, I cannot wait for that moment and I don't know where we're going to go, Yeah, but it's, now, um, in that spot that I was telling you, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean no, to you're good. there, but um, over there at uh, near Chama, Tierra mm-hmm. Maria, um, actually, so I went hiking back and there's a wilderness pre- preserve back there with a river running through mm-hmm. it. And you got to hike a couple of miles into it before you get um, get to the river. Anyway, I was out there hiking, came over this ridge because I, I was just trying to find the river. You know, I wanted to go fishing. 
and I came over this ridge and there's like probably five or six elk, like, I don't know, 70 yards from me. And they were just staring at me as soon as I came over the ridge, <laughs> I'm looking at them and they're looking at me. And I think they must've been just used to humans. Cause they, they just kind of like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? And then they just went back to eating, but it was so cool just to be that close to those animals. Yeah. Like it was amazing. They're now, I didn't hear any bugling, but yeah, they're, they're like, Blew me away how big they are. Yeah, they're good size. You'll get like, I want to say you're gonna get somewhere between like four and six hundred pounds of meat off of no a bull elk. No way, really? Uh huh. Golly. Can you believe that? I mean, Packing that's that out? so different. I mean, that's one thing that surprised me the first time I shot a whitetail was oh, like yeah. this deer. I mean, it's probably, I don't know, it seemed like it was 130 pounds, 140 pounds. And then you leave with like 40 pounds of meat or something. I was yep. like, where did it all go? That, you know? it's, there's not a whole lot to it, man. Yeah. Whitetail out here. And, and out here, Whitetail are pretty small. Now you get to kind of deep into East Texas and and, and maybe in the hill country you can find mm-hmm. some some good size yeah. whitetail, uh, pretty good size. Mule deer are going to be a little bit bigger. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see how much bigger they'll be up here, dude. I, I need a good. I want like if I get something nice, it's going to be a Euro mount for sure. Oh man, that's. I don't so know where I'm going to put do it. You have you have mounted animals around? I don't. Yeah, I don't, man. That's so this will be your first. This, if I do it, it'll be my first one. Yeah, wow. and I've I've just never been inclined to, man. Yeah, don't know why. And also, Anna's not about hanging dead animals. She's say, not super about hanging dead animals on the wall. Yeah. She's learning. You know, she's she's learning to appreciate this country lifestyle after 10 years. She's kind of figuring <laughs> out that maybe Caleb just rolls a little bit differently. Yeah, and I, uh, but I, it, until I, man, and also part of it is until I have space to put it, yeah. I don't want to, you know what I mean? Yeah, you need a man cave. I, th- so this is my man cave. Oh, this is But nice. it's not big enough, man. Yeah, like, I was going to say, you need a higher ceiling. Yeah, you put cave. five or you know, stick animals have to in hang here. Your your buck like halfway down the wall <laughs> just to accommodate the antlers. They don't. Or can, can you imagine an elk, bro? Like an elk would take oh, up an entire goodness. wall. Yeah. I don't know where I put it. Whew. So yeah. one day, and I I mean, like my dream is to have a big a big shop, like a you know, like a thirty by maybe like a twenty by thirty or like even like a thirty by fifty shop. Oh, that and to be able to just put them around there, yeah, would be ideal. And they're out of the house, <sighs> but I still get to keep the memory. Yeah, that is so cool. Um, yeah, and then I mean, to be you know, stories always grow the further you get from whenever it actually happened. So it's good to have a reference point that, you know, I, I find that the, the one that got away, gets bigger and bigger every single year. But you know, your friends are going to be like, whenever you say it was this big, and they'll, they'll point to it on the wall and be like, no. <laughs> Do you have anything mounted or fish um, or anything? Uh, no, I've never caught anything that was, I don't know, I guess that big or uh, I guess big enough to mount. I've always wanted. So my big goal for years was to get a share lunker. A share lunker is like, you know, the share lunker program? I have no idea what that is. Okay. So like, um, for a while, uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife, they, if you caught a bass, a, a large mouth over 13 pounds, you were like in the special share lunker club, <laughs> you know, and, and they, they had a special banquet for those people who caught, you know, in that group. And there might be 30, 40 a year who catch that, you know, that big, but like, It'll affect once if you if you make that your goal, it'll affect how you fish every time you go. Like you're throwing these baits that are like they look like something that you like would try to catch, but you're like, no, I want something to eat this, you know. And uh, anyway, um, but I, that was my goal. I was like, if I ever caught a share lunker, I would definitely mount that. Okay. Um, but I've got like five or six um, buck racks in my garage that I just bucks that I shot over the years, and I kept thinking, you know, I'll do something with these eventually. But they're all just kind of hung together. You know, like, so I never did a. You can make a um, chandelier. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, something like that. But I don't know what you do. It's funny. I left all the tags on them too, so I can remember. Oh, that one came from San Sada. That's that cool, actually. Colorado River, you know, you know. So the tags on there is actually a cool idea. Yeah, I like that a lot. Just remember where you got it. You know? The memories they last forever, man. Yeah. So what else are you into, man? You're into uh, you're. So we talked a little bit about hunting. Do you hunt still? 
Um, you know, I haven't in a couple of years, ever since I left the hill country. Um, I took a, a friend hunting down in the hill country a few years ago, but you know, really I'll go get a deer for the year and, and call it, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's been hard to get away from family you know, long. You know, I've got two kids, an eight year old, a four year old, and then my wife. And so it's hard to tell the wife, like, Hey, take the kids for a few days, you know? So, um, <laughs> take I'm her gonna, with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm going to go sit around in the woods. You know? uh, man, you're, so your eight year olds getting the age where you can take like, that's, that's hunting age. You know, I hadn't really thought about that. You so know? but the thing is eight, my eight year old is a little girl. And she's like everything rainbows and unicorns and princesses. And like, she gets a little bit disturbed that I catch fish with hooks, uh, you know? And so mm. I don't think she would be about the, uh, the hunting. hunting life at all. You know, now river, my, my boy. So, um, it, that just goes to show how much I love water. And, you know, anyway, he's four and he's already telling me like, dad, will you teach me how to shoot a gun? Like we, when are we going to go camping? You know? And so I love it. Him, like we're going to be tight, you know? Dude, river so, is also looks like an eight year old. <laughs> Yeah, he's a big boy. Every time I see him out there, he's huge. Yeah, it's funny. He, um, he'll go out on a playground with kids and then like <laughs> find a six-year-old or you know a seven-year-old to play with. He's a big boy. But it's funny. Like, have you ever met my brother, Red? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, Red did this tattoo. Hey, you know he's in town now. He just moved into town last. Is week. he really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I might need to talk to him because I want to finish. I haven't finished this one yet, and I need to. Yeah, man. He's in. He's in town. Huh. But um, we'll talk anyway. He's like six, three, he's a big 350 boy. pounds. My dad, he's passed away now, but he was six, four over 400 whenever he passed away. And so at like six foot one, 230 pounds, I'm the runt <laughs> in our family, you know? <laughs> and so I would kill to um, be six foot yeah. anything. I would kill to be like, bro, you know, it'd be nice. Five, nine. I'd be okay with that. Can we do five, nine, maybe five, 10? I don't know why I, I don't know. I, my, my family, I've got a bunch of big people in my family. Yeah. I'm just not one of them. Bro. Well, river got, their genes, not my genes. So yeah, I'm fully prepared for him to outgrow me. Just and, be huge, yeah, giant. I'm look up to him and say, point in his face, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Is he so like sports? Did you grow up playing sports? Um, I tried because my older brother played sports, but I uh, I played football through my junior year and then stopped. But I was never real. I was like B team, kind of like I was a starter on B team, but it was like B team. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. Do you, I mean, do you plan on passing that like, or introducing your kids to sports? Have they already been? Um, I think probably like I'm going to teach them how to throw a football and throw a baseball, but um, I think probably less the contact sports as much. Like I'm going to encourage uh, river to probably play baseball more golf. Um, yeah. Maybe golf, basketball. Um, actually me and Andy got into golf uh, whenever we both had jobs and no girlfriend, <laughs> we were like, Hey, we got money. Let's play golf. Are you one of the ones who also did the disc golf thing with him? Yes, actually I was. So you asked what else I'm into. I played the amateur world doubles tournament for disc golf, like two years in a row. What is yeah, like, this? I, I have so many hobbies. Like I just, you were saying you don't like to be bored. I don't like to be bored. And yeah. So, like, you and I are similar in that way. Yeah, I cannot so. stand being bored. So you, so you fish, you are down for hunting. You do disc golf, you do woodworking, you yeah. have your business. Hammock camping is a big thing too. I really love it. Hammock camping, yeah. you're a dad. Like where do you, what else are you adding to the list? Like what's next? Oh man, I don't know. I'm always just kind of like things will just intrigue me. So it, it could be anything. I bought a unicycle a little while ago. Why'd you buy a unicycle? Because <laughs> I don't know how to ride a unicycle. <laughs> do you know so. how to buy, ride a unicycle now? Um I hurt my knee, so I had to take a break, oh. um, but uh, I am I can go like across the yard. I'm not real good at it. Or anything. There you go. That's a start. But I don't know. I'm just like, I don't want to be too old for anything. You know, I, I just want to 
be curious about life. I want to see why you, I like the outdoors so much. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm saying I want to see you go down your front yard on oh, the yeah. old unicycle. That big old hill. Yeah. The little hill. You were saying though, sorry. Oh no, that's um, but just everything, man. I just wanna I wanna live life to to the full. But um you know what? Welding is something that I want to pick up sometime soon. Really? Yeah, because woodworking, um, you can I so I've studied it for years, probably 10 years I've been woodworking, you know. Um, so I know tons of different ways to make joints and tons of different uh, you know, the characteristics of different types of wood. And it's it's fun to still to like have an idea and move something from an idea into a 3d object. Like is it's really satisfying, but there's limitations now that I'm finding like, boy, if I knew how to weld, I could put like an iron band around this. Or yeah. I could uh, make a table that like a live edge table and make a, a iron base for it or something like metal base for it. And, and so as I find limitations, that's when I'm like, okay, time to learn something <laughs> new. You know? So that's how they all come up. Yeah, man. I, uh, I, I, I think it's awesome that you you find a lot of things to invest your time in and you like it's obvious that you are super passionate about everything that you take on. Yeah, I just love I just want to have fun. I don't know if you're familiar at all with the Enneagram kind of stuff. Yeah. What well, is I'm your a, Enneagram? Yeah, I'm an Enneagram seven. And honestly, I wouldn't know um what that means except for my wife is super big into the Enneagram. <laughs> and so in order to love her, I've gotten a book on Enneagram and tried to learn. But basically that just means that like fun is my motivator. Yeah. And it unfortunately it's also kind of a coping mechanism at times. You know, if I want to escape uh, yep. a serious situation, I just make a joke uh, of it. Make a joke and go do something fun, you know. And so anyway. I'm a three W two. Three wing two. Yep. And I forgot what exactly it was. I, so threes, if I, if I understand it right, are kind of a performer. Like they like to be out in front of people and they 100%. like hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, you're like, on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Threes are people who like to, so it's funny. A lot of my good friends are threes actually. Like the, one of the guys um, who I go do the DFW tour with, he was actually also my, uh, my amateur world doubles partner both of those years his name's coy we adventure all over the place together um anyway he's a three as well but yeah threes like yourself like you want to y'all get into a lot of stuff too i mean you have a lot of interests right i have a ton of interest i actually pulled it up let's read my enneagram real quick just out of curiosity <laughs> 3w2 i am the enchanter ah, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. makes sense now uh people who identify as enneagram type threes with a two wing primarily identify as uh, as type threes, but share some characteristics with other twos. They tend to be ambitious, charming, enthusiastic in their behavior. They're driven and love to achieve. They tend to adapt their attitude to their environment, which can make them, which makes them very effective communicators. Ah, look at you. There That's like spot on. Chelsea, I need you to come over here and diagnose me. <laughs> Figure this out. I'll tell you what, she's got thick books. She reads all kinds of books on Instagram. <clears throat> Do you read? As a discipline, not because I love it. It's because sometimes Good I need to uh, just kind of calm down and think. I've got an awesome book. I just finished it. It's called uh, Summer of the Something Moon. I forgot. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about how it's basically the settlement of Texas. And oh. so, you know, all these settlers come in. It was kind of a joke. So the Mexicans, you know, were like, yeah, y'all come settle Texas. And the reason why they did that is because they were getting blown away by all these Native Americans who were native to the place. Right. Really? So these Comanches were coming in and killing all the Mexicans. They were like, yeah, y'all come on down and settle this. Come on in. We'd love for you to come on down. And so all the white folks come in, get, you know, messed up pretty good. Man. Anyway, it was a battle for a long time of, of trying to, you know, establish, uh, you know, ourselves here in Texas. And it was the Texas Rangers who kind of won Texas for us. And do you know what the difference was? You know, the, the one thing, the tool that, that really like made Texas even possible, a pistol, a revolver. 
That's it. Yep. It was learning to shoot a revolver from horseback. Hmm. Anyway, cool book. And that's, Man, I, yeah, I'd like to take a look at that because that's, I mean, I love Texas. Like I said, where did I grow up? I grew up in Texas. Yeah. Like all I mean, over the place, so. and you're going to be reading about places like Big Spring, like they're mentioned in all the, like Big Spring, uh, Lampasas, Lubbock, that, uh, Canyon, so all crazy. of it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. So anyways, kind of a cool book, but you need to get in that. I actually love reading. Um, you asked, you know, me about my passions and, and the things I get into. Yeah. Dude, I, I did not know that about you. Yeah. I love you're to read. Reader, huh? I am a big time reader. I, uh, my Kindle goes everywhere with me. I, wow. I just enjoy it. Um, I like learn, and I, th- I think it's because I'm a learner, dude. Yeah, I was gonna say it depends. I would I would be curious to know what you like to read. Are you a fiction guy, nonfiction? Dude, I will read everything from Harry Potter to I just finished a biography about Winston Churchill. So pretty much, you name it, so I'll, I'll read it. All dude, that real stuff, like yeah, Harry Potter. And, yeah, oh yeah, dude, <laughs> so Harry Potter is, is real. No, so you read all over, man. dude. I read. I, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I I don't really stick to any particular even like man I'll, I'll read fantasy i read history i read wow you know horror stephen king yeah sign me up I'll, i've Goodness. read i think i've read or at least uh maybe five years ago i could say that i have read everything that stephen king has ever written now when you're saying reading are you talking about audiobooks no okay no no i don't do audiobooks audiobooks irritate me i can't do right? them no i can't stand that's them. Which, like the way i get through books oh like, yeah I'm no bro books, yeah i can't do it on the same token, I love podcasts. Like oh. if I'm driving, people listen to music, you know, and they listen to their thing. I don't. I listen to podcasts. That's all I listen to. Huh. See, I like podcasts too. Like I said, I like, I binge listened to all of the ones that you put out so far, which I think was two or three at the time. Yeah, there's yeah. there's been a couple of more. I've got, uh, <clears throat> so podcasting, this is my newest hobby. Uh-huh. And, and the deal was, is I, I've always enjoyed connecting to people, oh, right? Yeah, for sure. And I, I Man, people have cool stories. And if you just sit down and talk to them and ask them the right questions, you can learn a ton about them and their experiences. But that's not really where I wanted to stop. Like the other part that I really enjoy is that people who listen to it can take something away from it, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's one thing that we can talk about that's going to make a difference in somebody's lives. They're going to be like, oh my God, like, why did I, you know, this is amazing. Yeah. That's kind of what I, I don't know. And I, I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy, it's just, it, it's right up my alley. Podcasting. You seem so natural. You're, <laughs> seriously, you're a natural it, I mean, it's, dude, it's, it's really easy. Turns out if you just, you know, put me in front of a microphone and give me a cold beer and somebody who's cool to talk to, I, <laughs> I do pretty good. But I, uh, I bit off a little bit more than I could chew. So I knew nothing about podcasting. Nothing. Knew huh. Absolutely nothing. All I knew about podcasting was that for years and years, I wanted to do it. Hmm. Um, I just, I was like, man, I don't know. And there's a lot that goes into that, bro. So it's, you know, I, I didn't know what equipment I needed. I didn't know, you know, and even like, what would I focus on? Like, what am I going to talk about? What, what do I have that I'm passionate about enough and I can find people that'll, you know, so all these questions. And then the other part is, well, and who's going to listen? Like, if I put all this work into it, who's going to listen? Oh, by the way, I don't have anything, you know, to record into. I don't have microphones. Mm. I don't know how to do, to edit sound. I don't know any of this. Have you learned more about that? Like how to pick up new listeners and that yeah. kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I've, I've been dumped myself pretty heavily into research on, you know, marketing. And the, one of the cool things about working at, at Beat and Bow Companies is, is I have access to a really awesome marketing team ah. and I use them heavily. Uh, you know, and they've been super generous with advice and, you know, how to do this. Um, Gabriella. Yeah. Will Banks has like, she volunteered. She does all of my, uh, like she created my brand, my logo. Oh man. Um, that's so cool. Yeah, I did. People who just, are willing to are willing to help. Um, anyway, so it's, it's been a fun experience learning to do podcasts. It's just, it's time consuming. Um, you know, it's it's funny beaten bow, beaten bow marketing, you know, Kristen Powell, mm -hmm. she made our logo. 
Did she really? So, yeah, yeah. There you go. Actually, I kind of drew it up and said, this is kind of what we're thinking. And she was just like, oh, here you go. You know, and they just me, yeah. like spit out something good amazing. People, man, like, really? Good people. Yeah. I have no, I, I'm not creative in that way at all. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. But that's how this all started. Um, and it's a ton of fun. It's just a lot of work. Um, I've got, my commitment is, is I'm trying to do two podcasts a week. Wow. Um, that's a lot, bro, because yeah, you know, this podcast like we're going to finish up and when we do, we'll probably have an hour, hour and a half somewhere in there of content, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you've got to go in and edit it and, and, and mix the sound and make it sound good. Make it sound because the worst thing in the world is to put out a podcast that no one wants to listen to, mm-hmm. right? If yeah. the sounds terrible, people turn it off. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, 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 I love staying busy. Like you said, like I pick up new things all the time. I always want to try something new. I'm always about it. Yeah. The problem I run into is I, I tend to jump really heavily into hobbies. Like if something interests me, it's really easy for me to get carried away. Uh-huh. Waterfowl is a really good example of that. Uh, podcasting is a good example of that. Whitetail <laughs> hunting is a good example of that. Fly fishing is a good example yeah. of that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, and so it's, it's like the discipline. I'm, I'm starting to learn how to discipline that though a little bit um, and, and, and just go, okay, Caleb, like just find a couple of things that you really enjoy to focus on and stick yeah. to those. Well, that's cool. You know, and I think that's, that's the thing though. Jump into it for a little bit. See if you like it. See if it's like really going to be a part of you long term. And it might be or it might not, you know, but you never know until you try it. You got to you know? experience it. Yeah, that's right. Just go and try. And it's funny, like um, for me, fly fishing has been something that's stuck around. Oh, yeah. I didn't even mention also like playing music, you know, guitar, drums, all kinds of stuff. You do. So, yeah. Um, Play drums is really my main thing. But anyway, all that to say drums and like fishing have turned out to be like two things that have stuck with me my whole life. Like, um. Anyway, there's even now fly fishing. I mean, a few weeks back, went down to the coast with a good friend of mine from college and we caught saltwater or, or, or caught saltwater fish on the fly, caught redfish. And that was our first time to ever do that. And so it's like there's always something new with fly fishing or with fishing in general, you know. Redfish so, is way up there. So uh, actually, you want to take a break for a second? Sure, if you want to. Yeah, let's fine. just pause for a second. So we were talking about fishing. Is this recording? Already? It's recording now. Okay. Yeah. We just, we just went on a quick break, uh, but we were talking about fishing and you were going to show me a picture. So you said redfish. Yeah. Bro. I wanted, I watched meat eater. Yeah. Uh, like a couple of weeks ago when he was redfishing uh, down in South Texas somewhere. I have got to get on that. Here, check out. This is a picture of that, that redfish. Um, redfish it's, it's a good size. is a tasty fish. Is um, it? Really, really good. Yeah. Now on a, so we went fly fishing for the redfish, which is funny because you're using, I mean, these, you call it a fly, but it's like, I mean, probably a three, four inch long kind of streamer, you know, you're stripping it in. You gotta, you gotta be really, really good at casting if you're going to go fly fishing um, and casting in the wind. What weight of a fly rod are you using on that? Like a seven? Uh, he was using a six. So okay. We were using the guide stuff, okay. uh, which I say guide. He was basically, he like, he pulled the boat around, like he had a po- big polling platform mm-hmm. and he would pull us around and just kind of. Tell us what to do. I mean, it's all up to you, though, you know. But we used his gear. We just thought it's our first time. Don't know if we're going to come back. So didn't really want to purchase all the gear. But anyways, it was it was really, really cool. And having two people in the boat was also, it kept things fun. Yeah. Because there's a person on the front, and you've got a little bit of a, a elevated casting platform as well. And so you're up there, you know, trying to spot fish. And, and it's like hunting fish, actually, redfish mm-hmm. fishing or fly fishing. You're like, you've got to spot them because... In order to make your cast, I mean, with the wind and everything, you're not going to make a cast more than maybe, uh, oh, I don't know, 40 feet out, something yeah. like that, you know? Um, 
And so you've got to spot it. And then before you get so close that you spook him, you got to put it right on his nose, you know, or actually you can't just kind of right past him and then drag it right down. But they're, they're usually nose down, kind of looking for stuff on the ground. And uh, you just put it right out ahead of them, drag it right in front of their nose. And I tell you what, man, I was giddy the first time I caught one. It's like hooking into a brick wall. You just is it really? And it just <laughs> and everything <laughs> stops. Everything stops. It was so fun. Um, but anyway, it, it was fun having two people in the boat because my buddy Sam, he was in between the two of us. So mm -hmm. I was out there, you know, if I'm casting, um, he's got a spinning rod with a big old um, what they just call a spook. You know, and you can do what they call walk the dog. Basically, you just uh, pop it once and it shoots one direction, pop it again, it shoots the other direction. Anyway, and so he'll cast that spinning rod spook a mile out there and he's just fishing it back. And so honestly, you're going to catch a lot more on a spook than you would fly fishing. But so in the meantime, while I'm, you know, trying to find a fish that's, that we don't, you know, uh, scare by getting the boat too close, <laughs> you know, and trying to make the presentation right. Um, you know, the person in the middle is going to catch two or three fish on the spook, you know, um, out there in, uh, where were y'all? Yeah. I was going to say we were, you know, Texas coast. Uh, I keep wanting to say round rock, Rockport, Rockport. Uh, yeah. Rockport. And then just outside of that Port Aransas has some really great flats. I mean, miles of flats. And that's what you're looking for is those flats. Cause yeah, they hang out in the shallow stuff. Exactly. Yeah. They were up there in, I mean, a foot of water. I mean, some, really? sometimes their backs are out of the water. They, they kind of almost look like, uh, like carp, like, you know how carp, yeah. they'll just kind of, you'll, they'll get their backs up out of the water and their tails up out of the water. Um, anyway, um, it's, it's a fun fish. When catch. were you there? Oh, probably, probably about a month ago. When's the, what, what did it, what, like what time of the year is the time you're to go fish for reds? That would be a good question for a guide. Okay. I don't, I don't know exactly. I just know that it was really good when we were there. Um, so like late summer, early fall. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All that. Yeah. And I hear they even change color as they like get more sun and, and stuff. So they're, they're really pretty. pretty. Cool. Yeah. Beautiful <clears throat> fish. And I tell you what, there's so many fish that if you eat it here in Lubbock, um, it's going to taste really fishy and yeah. gamey, you know, but if you like that fish, we caught it, you threw it on ice, we took it home, cooked it up like an hour later, you know, and it was like, it's, it's the non fishiest fish you'll ever eat. Is it like, really it was so great? I mean, yeah, honestly. So, we had uh, my buddy Sam. He was like, "Hey, I'm gonna cook a steaks tonight." I was like, "Well, we just got this redfish. Let's cook it up too." <laughs> and so, um, we we had a grill at the Airbnb we were staying at, and we threw the redfish on and just uh, put a big pat of butter on top and some seasoned salt on top of that. Um, there's a a really good podcast called Deer Meat for Dinner. Yeah. Anyway, and he promotes this seasoning called Everglades seasoning. Anyway, got some of that and put some of that on top. And I tell you what, the redfish was better than the steak. Man. like seriously and i i'm like i'm not even a huge fish eater i just like to catch them but like we tore into the redfish and the steak was like it was good you know given it wasn't sam's best steak ever but <laughs> <laughs> sam get it together yeah did y'all fillet it uh we did okay yeah, yeah we filleted well actually we served it uh, on the half shell so okay. basically um yeah filleted it out but then left the scales on one side and just use that on the grill yep, so it doesn't grill. burn it yeah um, and it's, it was great i mean it just peels right off the 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 scales whenever it's done. Are you going again next year? Um, maybe, maybe it was kind of an expensive trip. It was, was like it? for the two of us for the day for a half day, it was like six, 700 bucks okay. for the, for the guide. I mean, that's after the tip and everything, but the 600 you know, bucks so. split two ways. 
yeah, for each. Okay. Yeah, yeah, split two ways. Okay. And so then for some Airbnb. people, that's not much. For us, it was like, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of money. And then the Airbnb and then the gas and everything else. Yeah, exactly. Else. It was it, a big trip. We stayed at the Airbnb probably three or four days. Um, you know what was fun, though? There was this... Um, there was this uh, pier just off of our Airbnb. We got like an on the water Airbnb. Nice. And the pier put out those green glowy uh, lights, yeah. you know, underneath the water. Yep. And the trout would just swarm on them. So I have never caught so many trout in my life. It was like, it was one of those days, like we, we went out there and it took us about two hours to catch 50 trout between the two of us. Jeez. It was awesome. It was like, you spend more time taking them off and re-rigging. And you do actually, you know, with your line in the What's water. the limit on trout? Oh, I don't know. It was all catch and release. We okay. were just, yeah, we didn't take any of them home, but it was so fun. Um, anyway, um, so if you ever see a dock at night, it's got those green lights. Hop on it. Yeah, just go ahead. And, <laughs> uh, you know, Make your way over to it. That's right. Yeah. I need to go. The, yeah, after watching that Meat Eater episode, I was pretty sold on Redfish just because it looked like a ton of fun. Oh. And they actually said the same thing, that they are incredibly tasty. Mm -hmm. They really are. Hmm. Yeah. My favorite fish is also catfish, though. Really? Dude, I love catfish. Oh, no, man. They're bottom fried, feeders. Fried, dude, fried catfish, though, is so good. I say favorite. It's not one of my, it's, maybe it's not my favorite. I also love yeah. crappie. Oh, see, crappie, in my opinion, is the, like, freshwater fish, mm -hmm. the best eating fish there is. It probably is. I actually like it. Catfish, I only like it fried. And you can't, I mean, it's catfish. You can't screw it up, right? Yeah. Uh, just ketchup. Just give me some ketchup and some <laughs> spicy ketchup. Waterburger. Hey, Shout out. Very nice. Uh, makes a big difference. But uh, no, crappie, man, is, is good. It's a little bony. Mm hmm but it's it's really sweet it's good so you like spice you like a little bit of spice? i love spice yeah so um do you like spicy fish do you ever have you ever had like a fish with a spicy batter or anything like that i'm sure i have at some point i don't i can't name it off the top of my head All right, pro tip here's here's the thing so my uncles this isn't even for me this is my like so i've got the like most country boy uncles in the <laughs> world ever like just they're awesome to grow up with anyway um, he came over last week and he brought me a few bags of crappie. Um, he lives to crappie fish, just his favorite thing in the world. Anyway, and he showed me a good way to prepare it. Take a filet. And have you ever heard of slap your mama? Mm -hmm. You know what that is? Yeah, it's kind of a Cajun seasoning, you know? So he takes the fish itself um, and then sprinkles slap your mama on the fish itself. And then um, go ahead and put it in your, your cornmeal, kind of whatever fry you're using, and then drop it. And so the the fish itself gets a little bit of a spicy taste to it hmm. and you still get the nice crunch of the cornmeal and all so do you have any left i, I do have some crappie hey left. man yeah. we, should, we should do a, we should do a, a fish fry i'm in i'm i'm, I'm also in. in what are you doing tomorrow <laughs> night buddy <laughs> we just found out yeah my wife's gonna be surprised but like, it'll be fun tell yeah. it, well she volunteered you for this uh for this podcast so i know she's so sweet it, that was, the first time you were like so you're doing the podcast i was like what do you what podcast? Yeah, you were completely you surprised. About? I was like, do I have the right number? Like, bro, like you told me you were down. Like, I'm, I don't understand. No, she's a good wife. She she knows me. She knows me. Yeah. I'm glad you came on too. This has actually been a ton of fun. And I haven't had a like a super fisherman on here yet. So it's a new perspective. I love it. You do love it. love it. I don't know how to crappie fish. Oh, crappie fish. It's it's kind of a slow type of fishing. Um, most people fish for it in the spring. Whenever they're, the crappie will move up into the creek channels in order to uh, spawn. And so they just, they relate to vertical structure. So if you, you'll see people like right now in the year going out and planting like, or, or dumping off uh, trees or something into the water. Or trees. Something. Yeah. Something that's going to give those, you know, and they'll mark it on their, on their fish finder. <laughs> like I'm coming back right here. So, you know, um, 
anyway um but yeah in the springtime it's a great time to catch goblin hmm. yeah but you can catch them all year long you know in the in the winter time they'll go deep and they'll relate to vertical structure still they always they call them crappie because they kind of crop together you know they're spelled like crappy i had no idea yeah and so i mean they're they're a schooling kind of fish so they all hmm. stick together which is fun because when you find one you you're like you're on out. top of it yeah exactly um and how, so how deep will they how deep do they get in the winter time? You catch them in 30, 40 feet of water or something. Like get that. out of yeah. town. Yeah. Not in, uh, mm-hmm. does, does Buffalo even get that deep? Sure. Though? I mean, which, um, actually, and that's kind of a cool thing of just spending the time out on the water. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got a little fish finder and I'm able to kind of mark little waypoints as you cruise over something. It's like, Oh, there's a, there's a little tree down there, you know, Perfect. mark it. Um, but last time I was there like two weeks ago, um, Texas parks and wildlife out at Buffalo, you know, you know that bridge that, that crosses the lake back yeah. towards the dam? Yeah. Um, just as soon as you cross that bridge, stop. Um, and off to the left, they were dropping, Texas Parks and Wildlife was dropping these um, PVC trees. Basically, it's like a five-gallon bucket with cement. And they stick these PVC pipes just sticking out of it, you know, probably eight feet tall. Huh. And I just happened to be, uh, you know, getting you off the lake whenever it? they were dropping it down. I was like, yes, <laughs> I'm going back there. Have you hit that up yet? I haven't, no. Because I... I don't know if they'll be on there at this time of year, but I need to go check it. I'm looking forward to it. But, you should. Yeah. So what are you fishing for right now? Like when are you, are you going this week? Yeah, probably will. I'm going to go. So it's funny. My, my day changes, you know, um, for a while it was Thursdays and it was Wednesday mornings. And now I think I'm gonna have to switch back to Thursdays. It kind of depends on what's going on, but I think this Thursday I'm going to go out there and check it out. So I'll let you know what happens. You should, you mm-hmm. actually should go down to the, uh, my place, man. Oh yeah. See, there's oh so many good opportunities sh- right now. You should. Let me I'm gonna pull it up on a map and show you so you can kind of see. Have I shown you before? You have, yeah. You showed me last time. Okay. So you you know what you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah, you need to go hit up that. Go hit that up so I know. I'm all if for I can it. Go Just, fish it. You're gonna have to get me permission from the landowner though. I feel nervous. I, I got there. you covered. You can go. All right. hundred percent. Like it's it's not a problem. You should definitely go down there though. All right. Make the drive. Cool. Go check it I'm out. I'm down. See what you think. Yeah. It's hard to get into, but you're in a kayak, so just drag it down there. You'll be all right. Yeah. Sounds good. So that's your next, uh, on Thursday. Well, what else, man? What else you want to talk about, dude? This is, uh, you have a lot of things going on too, man. What are you passionate about besides, uh, the things that we've talked about? You're oh, a family man that keeps yeah, up a I was lot of say, your time. I mean, uh, trying to be a good dad. That's it. You know, um, <laughs> there's parenthood. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, so this is a new thing. Uh, the whole dome doc venture owning my own company. I'm learning a lot right now, just about, you know, um, how to manage money, how to manage people, how to, you know, um, which Beatonbow is such a great company about just training leaders. And so I felt like I, I got introduced to a lot of good resources there, um, but I'm still learning a lot on my own uh, audiobooks and that kind of thing. Um, we just started a small group with our church. I drum for our church as well. And so, I mean, I've just got a, kind of a lot of things in the air at any one time, but. Man, I, I, we're actually probably in a pretty good place to stop. I, uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. Dude, this was so fun. I, have you enjoyed um, it? Yeah, I really have. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, at, at the break when we grabbed something to drink, I was like, whoa, man, like over an hour has already gone by. It, felt, it just went by that fast. It feels like nothing. It's yeah. so easy to talk, man. It, and you can get going and going and going. And sometimes it, it ends up, I mean, I've had like them go to like two hours. Uh, and that's totally fine. I don't care. I'm I'm in it for the uh, for the long haul. I enjoy it. And some people like long podcasts. Some people yeah. don't. I don't like. I'm like. I, f- I feel like I should offer something as a fisherman that would like help other fishermen. Now. That was ex- like, that so was to be my closing like, statement. So like, no if, if if I'm a a young guy who wants to get into fishing, young guy or gal uh, who wants to get into fishing, uh, what's you know what's your advice on that? And then for the experienced angler, 
what's uh what's give us a pro tip oh man it depends on what kind of fishing um so give me give me a type what are you thinking uh, water, i would say the majority water. of people around here mm-hmm. uh, are going to be in in freshwater yeah, uh in, sure. in like lakes oh, okay um i'll do my best do i'm it. i'm not a pro you know like no. i just i love it but i'm not a pro it's uh, okay so. um around here i would say so if you want to catch numbers um if you just want to catch fish like let's say you've never fished before and you're like i just want to have something tugging on the end of a line yeah um go super small um like go get you some tiny little hooks that are you know not even a centimeter wide in the throat of the hook you know and yeah, get tiny one and, and throw a little bit of worm on it. And usually whenever people put a worm on there, they're going to put the whole worm. That's yep. dumb. That uh, perch is going to grab the tip of that and just rip the whole thing off the hook. Say, thank uh. you. So you want to rip a piece of worm that's just what they can fit in their mouth. I mean, maybe like a, a centimeter long. Okay. You know, and put that on there and, and, and let that be your first fish. So if I'm ever out and I'm fishing, let's say targeting bass or striped bass or white bass or whatever, and I'm having a bad day. I just want to catch something, you know, and <laughs> Not so empty-handed. seriously. And so I put on something small like that, like just a little tiny something with a bit of, uh, you can use cut bait from another fish you've caught or, or worm or something. But so if you've just never fished at all, um, go small and it is so fun to just, you know, set it three feet underneath a bobber, um, maybe a little weight halfway in between those two, the hook and the bobber and, uh, just throw it right off the bank, you know, four feet from the bank. And there are perch everywhere in every lake always. And so seriously, like perch, and they're always hungry. They're great. And they're beautiful little fish. Yeah. I mean, even if you're not going to uh, one, they're great eating. If yeah. you do want to eat it like bony, we, but they're good. Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, like the other, you know, whenever I was telling you we were uh, cast netting mm-hmm. and caught some uh, perch that morning and ate them for breakfast. And the kids were like, oh, we like perch. All right. You know, <laughs> so yeah, just put a little uh, seasoned salt on there and it's, it's a good breakfast if you're hungry. But, um, so if you've never fished, go small because okay. you'll catch numbers and that's the best. Yeah, and, and so like, what, like they're going to go to the store, they're going to go down to Walmart or Academy or, you know, where the case is, what do they need to buy? Oh, some small fishing line. Um, something that's almost invisible, like probably, oh, six pound fishing line. Okay. Um, get some snail hooks, S N E L L snail hooks and, um, something tiny. You okay. know, really about as small as you can find. Okay. Um, especially if you're going to catch the fish. Cause then even if they swallow it, uh, you know, you're good. no big deal. Yeah. You're going to eat them anyway. Grab a few little foam bobbers, you know, and that's it. You don't even have to get a pole. Honestly, my dad, whenever I was a kid, um, he would, uh, if we didn't have a pole, he would wrap some fishing line around the tip of a Coke bottle, you know, uh. and then, uh, you kind of, you know, set up your rig on the end and just kind of lasso, you know, throw, yeah, get it swing out there. around your head and just toss it out there a few feet <laughs> and you'll see the bobber go down and it's a rush every time. Just, whoop, there you go. With a coat bottle. That's it, man. You don't even need a rod. But yeah. And if you're, if you're more experienced, man, um, just watch YouTube. Like, that's the thing. Like before I go out to any trip, you know, you just probably like waterfowl or uh, deer hunting or whatever, you know, like do your research. So that when you go, you can have a good time, you know? Um, so for me, like lately I've been researching all sorts of stuff about striper. There's even guys, I didn't even know this until recently, until like the last couple of weeks, there's people who fly fish for striper. Um, yeah. What? Stri- striped bass. Yeah, man. Out in lakes. Yeah. So they'll, they'll, so, and that's the thing you got to have unique conditions for it. Like, um, you got to see them schooling on the surface and then get over to them quick. And then they'll, you know, you can make these big feather flies that, um, streamers as we call them, you know, and then just 
give it a monster cast out there while you're still a good distance off and strip, 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 just bring it in fast. And they'll think it's a little shad, you know, if they can't get a good look at it. I mean, they're pounding all these shad up on the surface. And what? You can, yeah, man. And see, that's one thing that's fun about fly fishing to me is all the fish on a fly rod feel twice as big as they actually <laughs> are. You know? Because it's so, so light. Yeah, yeah. It's so fun. So when are you going to go fly fish for striper bass? Oh, I guess know, you got to wait for the right conditions. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm probably going to. So I always take my fly rod out um, with my bass gear. So um, in my kayak. So the the first time I haven't seen it yet, but the first time I just see him pounding the surface. It's happening. Know, it's going yeah, down. I'm, I'm going to pull it out. Yeah. So <laughs> um, we'll see. But, you know, you, you're never going to catch anything if you don't get your fly out there. So what is your favorite piece of gear that you own? Hmm. And so why gear is like everything. Dude, we can be as broad as you want to. We can, we can go across the whole spectrum. Like, well, let's just talk about fishing first. Your favorite piece of, or your favorite, let's start with your favorite piece of fly fishing gear. I think it's a, there's a rod that I made actually. I, I say, yeah. I John, mean, <laughs> no, well, you're it was so annoying with all of your handy stuff. Continue <laughs> no, with your rod that you made. No, no, no. It wasn't like from scratch. Like I didn't make it out of bamboo. It was a build your own rod kind of kit, you know, still. Yeah. But um, it's funny. It's like something that it, it goes back to like tying your own flies. Like whenever you can put something together yourself, like basically what that means is like I attached the handle with epoxy to the, to the end of the rod. The rod was already made um, in, in four pieces. And then like you mark off where each of the eyelets is going to go. And then you tie in the eyelets with string and then epoxy over them and stuff. So, you know, it was fun. But whenever whenever I catch things on a rod that I made myself, it's just like, ah, uh, same know? thing with the fly. Like yeah, you said earlier, it just feels so good. So what if I, let me ask you, like, do you think, do you reckon mm -hmm. that me catching something on a fly rod that you made for me would have the same satisfaction? As Absolutely. <laughs> you know, probably even more so. Yeah. Yeah. Bro. I'm not going to, because yeah. I'm not going to do it, but I will, I'll go on and buy the the kit and you can make it for me and I'll watch. <laughs> can I come over and just drink beer and watch you do it? Come on. Yeah, man. Hang so, out. Okay. So, honestly, it wasn't a real fun process. I probably won't do that again. Really? It wasn't yeah, that It was it rough. It, it was just sort of like uh, tedious. And, I don't do tedious. And I, and I felt like at the end of it, like, I didn't actually make the rod. Mm -hmm. Like if I went and gathered the bamboo and like, you know, planed it down myself and had the right shape and, and awesome. you know, then I would be like, I made this, but you should do um, that. Go buy a piece know, of bamboo and try it, bro. I, like, bam do you know how expensive a bamboo rod is? Yeah. Yeah. RL Winston makes some ridiculous rods, like multi-thousand dollar rods, you know? Um, and I've thought several times about like, I've watched so many videos about them making the rods beautiful rods but i've never actually casted with one so i'm like i'm not even sure so what's stopping you from like just making one and giving it a shot I don't give know. it the old college try yeah so i don't know i guess i'm just not that inclined i've got two three four rods of my own so i'm like yeah well, well now i need rods, yeah. and now i know who to come to to borrow gear come on man. <laughs> yeah seriously yeah, okay man. so your favorite fly fishing is or piece of gear is a rod you made okay how about freshwater fishing oh um you know what I, I would have said, so there's this, uh, there's this nice, uh, Falcon is the brand of the rod and, uh, it was called Buku was the, the brand. Anyway, that would have been my favorite, except for the first time I took my kayak out to Buffalo Springs, I accidentally left it on the boat ramp, came back the next day and nobody turned it in. And, you know, of course not. Was, yeah. Um, right now. 
you know what I'm loving is some deep diving crankbaits. What? Why? Uh, Wait, crankbait. Which one's crankbait? So um, basically, it's it's got a big old lip on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, they come down. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. And so you tie into the lip. And they kind of shake or whatnot. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wobble back and forth. But um, they the longer the lip is, a lot of people don't know this, so this might help somebody. Um, the longer the lip is, the deeper it's going to dive. Um, yeah. The, that makes sense. Yeah. And so, and it depends also where you tie into that. If you tie into the tip of it, not so much, but if you tie, you know, closer to the bait itself, then it's going to, that lip is going to catch water as you pull it forward and it'll pull it, make it dive down. Anyway, um, I've been, uh, trolling some with, uh, with those deep diving crankbaits, but also, um, it's Buffalo Springs is a su- surprisingly deep lake at certain parts. It gets down to 40 feet. And, stuff. Hmm. and so I've been finding these little ledges where it goes from like, you know, four feet and it'll drop off to 30 feet in like the span of, you know, horizontally, maybe 30 feet long. You know? Oh, okay. And so, I mean, it dives down pretty quick. And so I've caught several black bass recently, just casting it up close to shore. And then it just kind of parallels the slope as it dives down. And then you'll hook into something. And correct me if I'm wrong. Like uh, whenever you say black black bass, you're referring to largemouth bass. Largemouth. Yeah, bass, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I kind of I keep. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm giving you a hard time. Like I, I learned that tonight. Yeah, now I know. There you go. So trolling would be fun. Okay, cool. So deep diving crankbait. Yeah. Huh. You ever thought about making crankbait? Can you make I have. crankbait? You can. Yeah, huh. you can make all sorts of stuff. Um, there's some people you can make all like I, I make nothing, but you can make all the stuff you want. Yeah, I actually haven't thought about doing a making a crank uh, deep like a diving crankbait, but they have swim baits that are honestly your your cousin Andy has one that's like probably ninety bucks, like one bait, but it's like they make these jointed uh, wooden baits yeah. that they swim very realistically. Like they just they look like you can you can paint them. I mean people airbrush them and make what? them super intricate i mean it's an artwork it really is something special to see awesome. how these people make them I and mean, look it up on youtube and watch how they make these things like whenever you say a 90 dollars bait like come on but whenever you see how much time these artisan craftsmen like put into making one of those baits you're like okay no i get it all right yeah. that is cool so. and that's dude that's like these are the things that i find this is what's dangerous to me is i see somebody doing that, i'm like yeah i want to try that I'm like <laughs> let's give it a shot okay so that's cool. Uh, and your favorite piece of camping gear? Um, it's got to be, if it's not your $5, gonna, if it's not your $5 <laughs> zero degree sleeping bag. No, yeah. I'm kidding. It's, well, I was going to say it's got to be my zero, zero degree sleeping bag. Yeah, I love it. Um, but really just my hammocks in general. Like I've got a few different kinds of ha- Oh, you know what? So I needed a, here's one. No, this is my favorite. Let's, right. let's hear it. Let's so, hear it. Um, Show me. You're so excited, dude. Yeah. The, look on your face. You're like a little kid right now. <laughs> I love it. So no, there was a, um, a rain fly, this really cool rain fly that goes over whenever you're hammock camping, basically you, um, you pop a, a ridge line, basically it goes directly above your hammock and then a rain fly comes down to both sides. And so I had a, a cool rain fly made by, you know, Eagle's nest outfitters anyway. Um, and then I found this other one where it's got these doors that actually come in and close on the ends. So you're not, open-ended on both ends of the hammock and i thought that is so cool but whenever i went on to you know again i'm very frugal and so i uh and it's also just the fun of making stuff you know like i like i like making things um anyway i i bought some let me back up i'm getting ahead of myself i didn't want to pay what it what it was cost for that rain fly that had the doors on the ends it's pretty expensive or at least where i was at that, that time in my life 
And so instead I ordered some ripstop nylon um, by the roll, by, by the bundle, basically. And so it was like $20 of ripstop nylon. I learned to sew. <laughs> and then I sewed together this, uh, this uh, rain fly. And then I thought that the ripstop nylon was waterproof and it wasn't. And I, I was so disappointed after I, I spent hours and hours like learning and sewing this thing together, you know, and I, I got it all, you know, good to go there. Um, I even, you know, put these uh, nylon strappings on the corners of it so it could like you could, you know, tie into it with uh, paracord and, yeah. and stretch it out tight anyway. Um, but and then first time I took it or no, I took it out to test it, sprayed water from the water hose and water's just going all through it. I was like, no. <laughs> anyway, so um, I was like, you know what? We're not dead in the water yet. So what I did is I took some uh, I got a tube of silicone and I diluted it down with mineral spirits. And so that it was like I could it was kind of a jelly. Sort yeah. Of, um, anyway, I got a foam roller and I rolled the whole thing with silicone. And then after that, I let it dry and sprayed it. And it's completely waterproof now. And so Bro. I like made my own rain fly. And so there's, again, I mean, just so much pride with doing things yourself. So, so. I need to figure that out. Yeah. You're yeah. And I didn't know if it was going to work. And then it worked. I was like, yeah. Magic. So <laughs> There you are again with a fire. Oh, your arms exactly. up. Exactly. Thank you, Castaway. There's something so satisfying about making something. I feel I like just... Tom Hanks is your uh, spirit animal. <laughs> you might be. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Again, dude, I had a blast tonight. Thank you so you much too. for taking the time to come out here. Like, and I know you just had to walk. Uh, did you walk or did you drive? I drove. I drove. Oh, bro. My wife asked me, are you going to walk? I was like, you know, I don't know how late it's going to be. <laughs> but uh, no, thanks for for coming up here and hanging out with me so late. I uh, I do appreciate it. This is going to be awesome. I cannot wait to uh, to send this out to my listeners, man. Cool. Thanks a I lot, enjoyed brother. it. I yeah, well, and we'll do it again for sure. Hey, all right. All right, cool. bro. Well, thanks again, man. I hope you have a, a good night and be blessed. Thanks a lot, brother.